good morning, guys. It's good to be here today, isn't it? Beautiful day outside, and it, it, some days, you know, we get here at church and everything goes smoothly and just works perfectly. Today was not one of those days, and so it's still good to be here. Though first service was kind of crazy, but hey, it's uh, it's still a good day. Any day we could be here at church together, so I'm thankful for that. Um, Last week was Easter Sunday. We began a brand new series called Love Reigns. And uh, man, what a great week last week. We really celebrated a lot about the resurrection and, and talked about the resurrection. And uh, one of the things that, you know, it just it changes everything. It really does. And kind of we'll be talking more about that today. Uh, before we do, though, a few quick announcements. One is next Sunday, uh, April 18th. Uh, we're having a Discover Lunch. And our Discover Lunch is what we do. Uh, we do one every few months uh, just to, uh, for new people, if you want to come and learn more about Cornerstone, uh, how to get involved, how to get plugged in, about serving, about membership. It gives you a chance to ask questions. You get to know about our history, our vision, our future. It gives you a chance to uh, meet some of our leadership, all that. So if you are interested in that, it's after our second service next week. Uh, you need to sign up. You can go to mycornerstone.fyi, and um, on that, just go to Upcoming Events, hit Discover Lunch, and you can sign up there, and we would love to, to, for you to join us and get to meet us uh, for that. So that's coming up next week. Our community meal is April 28th, um, and so we'll be posting this week about how you can get involved and serve and help with that. So uh, that's coming up. Uh, we do that the last Wednesday of every month. And then finally, uh, we do have youth tonight, so our 5th and 6th grade group and our 7th through 12th grade group, uh, they will meet at 6.30 tonight. So that's all the announcements I've got. So last week when we talked about this whole idea of love reigns, about Jesus is the king, the resurrection proves that, that he really is kind of the king of the universe and the resurrection, when you come back from the dead, that really proves it. I shared a little bit about my journey of faith uh, when I was in college about how I really went through a period of searching, you know, like, is this really true? Is this something you really uh, can put your faith in? Is this something I can believe? And, and I've got to admit, in, in some strange way, there was a part of me hoping that it wasn't. And, and, I, and here's why I say that, because if this whole thing about Jesus, the Bible, the resurrection, if it's not true, then that means that you can live your life any way you want to, right? It means no one can tell you what to do, that you're, you don't answer to anyone. It means that there's really no right and wrong. Um, it's just what you feel comfortable doing. Um, and fortunately, um, the more I studied, the, the more I saw just God in everything, and, I, and I, I really, you know, to me, that was a, a really a moment that changed my life, a, a, a process that I went through. But I think about that, and I look at the world today, and I feel like a lot of people, the reason they don't believe in God is that they, if they did, they would have to acknowledge that He really is the King. Does that make sense? I think a lot of people push back and are looking for excuses to say, this is why I don't believe God. Oh, the Bible is full of contradictions. The Bible is this, or we can't believe that, or this was made up, or this didn't really happen, or this was all. The reason they do that is they know if they admit that Jesus is real, 
then it would have to change the way they're living their life. And they are unwilling to change, so they're scared to really investigate the claims of Jesus. I think that's really the world we live in. That's really uh, a, a problem today. It brings me to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if Christ has not been raised, then our, all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. That's really, I mean, it, doesn't it come down to that? If, if, if Jesus isn't real, if he didn't really come back from the dead, then why are we here? <laughs> that, that's really, uh, to me, that, that, that's the question that we wrestle with. And so, obviously, we believe he did come back from the grave. We believe there's more evidence for that than really any other uh, event that's, that's ever happened. I think there's just, uh, and we talked some about that last week, but uh, because he did come back from the dead, we do have someone we have to answer to for the way we, we have to live. And so we're committed now to, to live our, our life in response to that. And so... Uh, what we're going to do today is look about how, uh, how do we handle our past? How do we deal with our past? How do we deal with all that stuff in our past that keeps affecting us today? Uh, it's interesting in the sports world, uh, there's all these, uh, like, uh, I don't know, you, you would call them uh, curses or jinxes or superstitions, right? Uh, there's the Sports Illustrated cover jinx that athletes, when they appear on Sports Illustrated, the cover, it's like the next week they always do bad. Uh, there's the Madden curse that if you appear on the cover of the Madden uh, NFL game that you're going to have a bad season or get injured, right? Uh, there's the, the, the infamous uh, Red Sox curse from 1919 when they traded away, uh, traded away uh, Babe Ruth and for the next 86 years uh, did not win the World Series. Uh, and a lot of people thought it was just because they did that. They traded away Babe Ruth. There's a lot of things like that that we look in sports and we say, oh, well, uh, it, it's like bad luck. It's like superstition. It's like cur a curse. And, and I would say when it comes to our life, a lot of people live their life like that. And they say, well, the reason I'm not doing good now is because of something that happened way back in my past. The reason all, I've got all this bad luck now is because I made a bad choice back here and it's just messed my, my entire life up. Here's what I want you to know, right? Uh, what is luck? Is, is luck really a biblical Christian perspective? There, there are, yes, there are consequences we deal with in life. There are consequences we deal with and, and our past mistakes do affect us moving forward, but we're not enslaved to our past mistakes. They don't, they're not something that we are, are, are held captive to and we can never overcome. And in fact, today, we're going to learn a lot about how we move forward from our past. Um, many of us, I think we can probably point to, to one or two decisions that we made that we're having trouble living down today. That, that those are the things that you just wake up and you just cringe about. And you say, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe, you know, we look back to our past. There, there are those things that we just hold on to that we simply cannot let go of. And here's what I want you to know is when we look in the Bible, all right, when we look in the Bible, um, what we see, we see story after story of people who had past mistakes that God used, that God transformed, that God used them in spite of what they had done. 
And in fact, he used it, right, in a way to reach people who otherwise might never have been reached. And so we look at that. And I mean, and whether it's the Old Testament and people like Moses or the New Testament and people like Paul and all the people in between, what we see is a bunch of messed up people that God uses. And so we really have to, to get past our past mistakes. And, and even though we can't change our past, and I know some of us would like to, we can ensure that our past does not control our present. And, and that's really what we, we want to do this morning is talk about that. Uh, there's a passage in Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and that's where we're going to be today. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read it to you first out of the message. Then we'll go back and kind of go verse by verse through it and, and explain it a little more. Uh, but this is, uh, this is Paul writing to it, the church at Corinth. Let's just kind of see what he has to say. He says, our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone, and so that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Now, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once, and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life emerges, and look at it. All of this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him, and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. I love how he paraphrases that and how he puts it, but let's kind of break it down. Let's look at it a little more in depth, and we're going to pick it up in verse 17. And this is the verse that many of you have heard and know that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. I love that it just, we have, it's not like, well, the old life, it's still there. Uh, we still have to deal with it and it's still going to affect you every day, but we'll make the best of it. No, it's like the old life is gone completely. It's, your, it's a new life now. You're not held captive to your past. And what Paul does here, he kind of starts this whole passage by bragging on how much God loves us and and about the offer that Jesus gave to, or, you know, he came to rescue us. And, and therefore, we are now a new creation in Christ because of God's love. God's love changes everything. And, and it means we have to, to, to look at our past in a new way. Now, when it comes to our past, when it comes to our past sin, there's a question that I want to ask you. And it's like, how do we get rid of the sin in our life? How do we handle our past? How do, we, how do we get rid of the sin? How do we deal with this? Because a lot of people, let's be honest, and you may be watching online, you may be here in person, you, may be, you look at your past and there's just some stuff there that you want to get rid of it. You don't want to carry it around anymore. It's, it's been weighing you down. It's been a burden. When you go to sleep at night and you wake up in the middle of the night, this is what's on your mind, is those mistakes. How do you get rid of it? Well, I want to share a few ways that we try to get rid of it, but that don't work. Here's the first way that a lot of people try to get rid of it. They deny it. They deny it. They, you know, we just simply deny it even exists. And this goes back uh, to that whole belief I shared. If there is no God, then really is there even a right or wrong to start with? 
Who can tell us what's right? Who can tell us what's wrong? I mean, this is the problem with atheism. If you're an atheist and you truly believe there is no God, right? then that means we don't answer to anyone. That means we can do what we want. That means that sin, that means that evil is a moral construct. It means that it's just something that it's my opinion that we shouldn't do this. And in fact, if you look at philosophers, what they would say is that they, one French philosopher said this, he said, we can never choose evil. Uh, he, he says, whatever man chooses to do is right. That's the, that's the problem when we uh, push God out of the equation and we say there is no God, then that means we can do whatever, there is no evil, there is no sin. And so if I hurt someone, well, yeah, I have to deal with the consequences of it, but it's, it's not really a big deal. And so people just deny sin. They say, well, that's not sin. Uh, what's wrong for you is not wrong for me. I can do whatever I want. I'm a grown up. <laughs> that's how a lot of people handle sin. Uh, another way they deal with it is they conceal it. And so what this is what many people in the church even do, they cover it up. They act like they don't have any problems. They won't talk about it. They just hide it. And they think as long as no one knows about it, then it really won't affect me. It won't affect anyone else. The problem with this is no matter how good we get at concealing our sin, we can't conceal it from God, right? And we still, the people closest to us or the ones that sometimes get hurt the most when we try to conceal our sin. The third way is we redefine it. Uh, this, our culture is so good at this. Like, they're so good at redefining sin. If we change our vocabulary, we can make it sound a little more enticing. We can make it sound a little better. And so then it won't be so offensive. It's not adultery anymore. It's just an affair. It's not pornography, it's adult literature, right? Because that sounds better. Or it's not, it's not a sexual sin, it's an alternative lifestyle. We change our terminology, we change things like that. And again, it's because the more we hear it, the more it normalizes it, it's just not as bad anymore. And so we do that, um, and again, it just kind of, we redefine our terms. So, uh, and again, it just makes it where it's not a big deal anymore. The next way we keep going, we rationalize it. Now, I don't know about you, but I can, I, I'm a good rationalizer. I can rationalize anything. Like if I'm on a diet and I want to eat a piece of cheesecake, I'm going to, I'm going to rationalize it. I'm going to be like, you know, I did really good today. I deserve a piece of cheesecake. You know what I mean? I mean, are you guys like that? That... If you want something bad enough, you want to do something, you can find a, a way to justify it. You, you can find a way to rationalize and say, yeah, me, I, I've earned this. Oh, I, I, I just, I'll just do it this one little time. And then, oh, I, that'll be fine. You know? And we can rationalize things. And what rationalization is, it's a mental process where we justify our actions. And we, we assign our act, you know, we assign it to, to a motive that appears good on the surface. So, hey, yeah. And, and, and here's the, the, the crazy thing. We do this with sin. I'll give you an, an example, right? Uh, even things like abortion. People say, but abortion, right? If the kids were born, look at the world we'd be bringing them into and look at the poverty they would be in. It's just better off that, do you see, what, what, what have we done? We've rationalized We've rationalized, uh, really, a, a sin. We, we've rationalized something 
that at its essence goes against the very heart of God. That's why rationalization can get us into trouble. We, co- we, we make excuses. Uh, and so we make an excuse so it doesn't sound so bad. Not only that, we keep going. We can legalize it. We can legalize it. Uh, this is another one. You know, we just get to the point, everyone's doing it. We might as well make it legal. And so if it's legal, then it's not sin. Well, there's a difference between civil law and God's law, right? Just because something is legal in our society doesn't mean it's right in God's eyes. Um, and, you know, it's, and, you know, look at our state right now. We're, we're legalizing marijuana and, and, and all this. Let's see how this plays out in a few years. But what it's going to do, right, it's going to normalize behavior. Uh, it's going it, to, it's not going to, is it going to change anything? Uh, you know, what is, well, we're just calling it different. We're giving it a different name. We're legalizing something. And, and so uh, that, that's, that's, you know, we see issues with this. The next, we, keep going. we can substitute it. What I mean by this is we take something and put it in the place of sin to cover it up. So we say, well, I know I did this, but now I've got to do all of this to make it better. <laughs> and so we start coming up with all these things we have to do uh, so the good will outweigh the bad. And so we just substitute, and that, that's led over the years to everything from as crazy, crazy as indulgences in the Middle Ages to, to how people do penance today and all this thing, thinking that we can actually pay the penalty for our sins by ourselves. Now, here's the problem. All six of these things, they don't work. And what you quickly learn is no matter how hard you try to cover up your sin, to deal with your sin, to remove your sin, you can't do it on your own. There's only one true way to remove it. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. It's how to remove it. And we remove it. Uh, it's not, we don't do it. That's what God has to do. And, and that's why Jesus Christ came on the cross. Romans 3.25, powerful verse. Uh, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe. You got Bibles, I mean, like highlight that, underline it. Uh, when they believe, they are made right with God. And, and what do they believe? They believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood for them. In other words, we believe that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf to pay the penalty for our sins. This is huge. This is the, the sacrifice, the, the word, and I'll try to say it this service. I messed it up last service. The propitiation. Kind of, no. Closer. That's the word, like in the, the original language there, right? The sacrifice. There you go. I heard Paul say it. He can say it. I can't. Um, there's certain words. Uh, it goes back to my speech therapy I had as a kid. I just still get stuck on Certain words I struggle with, but he is our sacrifice. He took the punishment that we deserve, right? Jesus was once for all sacrifice. Uh, he lived the perfect life that we didn't live, and he went to the cross on our behalf. We received his righteousness in exchange. He took our sin. That is, that's the, what happened, and that's how our sin is removed. At the moment we believe, we are justified before God. Now, what's interesting is uh, I, I've done a lot of pastor training in Nicaragua in previous years. And this year, uh, we, obviously, we still aren't to the point where we can go back. So this past week, uh, uh, we filmed a whole training series uh, for the pastors there. And what I talked about was justification by faith. 
how we are made right before God, how uh, our sin in exchange for, uh, for, for His righteousness. And I talked on that for over three hours just on that one principle. So there, you can go deep on this, right? Uh, and the way we did it, I, we recorded it. We sent a Dropbox link to them. They watched it there. Pretty neat how technology can work even around the world, isn't it, today? Uh, that, that's crazy that we were able to do that. Uh, but I, I share that because this is such a foundational concept. This is really the basis of, of understanding who we are in Christ. It affects everything about us. And that leads me to the first point today, if you're taking notes, that the love of God removes all of our sin. It doesn't just cover it up. It just doesn't paint over it. it. It removes it. It gets rid of it. It gets rid of the old guilt, the shame, the mistakes, the failures, the sin. And when God's love reigns in us, um, it, it just cleans everything up. It, it, it just makes everything new again. Now, uh, Jennifer and I, we've been in our house for about 21 years. We built it back in 2000, so it's pretty easy to keep track of. Um, and we've been in it long enough now where we're starting to have to, to tear a few things out and fix a few things and, and paint things and, and things are breaking. And, you, you know, and, and before that, we had, we, we had a house that was built in the 30s. And it was, all, it was like major work there, right? If you have an older house, you know that you have to do a lot of work. Now, I blame some of this work, though, on Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> on Fixer Upper, Right. We watch that stuff on TV and we're like, oh, but if we just took out this wall, if we just took out this cabinet, it would look great. It would just look perfect. It would be so simple to do. And so, you know, and, and, and I'll even show you this. Um, Jennifer went to, to Waco a few years ago uh, and she brought me back a hammer. I don't know if you can see this. This is from Waco, Texas. From Chip. It says, hashtag demo day. Do you know, like, demo day is like, it's like the cool stuff. It's like, when you get, and when you get this hammer out, you can do some serious demolition. Uh, demo day. What, what's so fun about demo day? Because you get to break stuff and tear stuff up. And, if it, and I'm just telling you, I like that. I like, I like messing stuff up. I like breaking stuff and tearing it up and, and taking it down. Why? Because when you do that, you get to rebuild something new in its place. Now, now let me just share spiritually. What happens when we're saved? It's a spiritual demo day. <laughs> we don't just put a fresh coat of paint over rotten wood, right? What happens if you do that? If you're building something um, and you, you try to cover up rust, you try to cover up rot, you try to cover up uh, bad foundations, what's gonna, if you don't really fix it, you're going to keep having that problem over and over again. It needs to be torn completely out and rebuilt from scratch. When we're saved, it's a spiritual demo day. All that old stuff, it's not just covered up. It's not just painted over. It's not just like, let's try to hide it so the next person that has the house won't ever see it. It's, it, it's torn out completely, thrown in the dump, and it's gone. It's gone. That's what happens when we're saved. And the reason we need to understand that, right, is because so many of us are carrying around that stuff. We're just pulling it along with us. Instead of letting it go to the dump where it belongs, we're just bringing it with us every step of the way saying, but I can't let go of this stuff. This is what happened to me and this is everything I've done wrong. And because of that, I'm just, now I'm cursed. Now I've just got to do, I've, no, 
No, you can let it go, right? Because the love of God removes all of our sin. He doesn't just overlook our sinful past. He forgives it. He removes it so it has no power over us anymore. And so you think about that. If you don't take out the old parts, you don't take out the old junk, they are destined to come back and haunt us over and over and over again. Psalm 103 says this, that says, uh, He has removed our sins as far as from the east as from the west. You believe that? Do you, do you really truly believe it, that He's removed our sins so far that, I mean, you, you can't even, there's no words to even express how, how, what He's done with our sin, how far away He's taken it, Right? We don't have to walk around defeated and full of shame anymore. Romans 4, 7, uh, which quotes Psalm 32, says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. This is what brings us joy, that we don't have to carry this stuff around anymore. Uh, and then it brings us to, if we go back to the passage where we started, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, let's keep going in it. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us now the task of reconciling people to him. This is all God's gift. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, we could keep going verse after verse in Scripture. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's so many verses that talk about this act of confession. And confession is just agreeing with God that that He is who He says He is. That we need Him. That our sins do need to be forgiven. And and so, uh, you you think about this. That's what happens when we make Jesus the Lord of our life. Our sins are forgiven. We're brought into His family. Now, uh, here lately at Cornerstone, we've been having this tremendous baby boom. I don't know if y'all have seen it. I don't know how many babies we have are getting ready to come. It's like up to like 10 now, I think. It's like, there's a lot of babies at Cornerstone right now uh, that are either here or on the way. Uh, it's, the, the quarantine has had a major effect on our children's ministry, okay? Um, so, uh, just saying. Um, it's, but when you see all these little babies and they look so angelic and they look so sweet and then they turn into toddlers and then they act demonic. You know what I mean? This, and, and I mean, even our kids, I know they look sweet, but we all know, right? I'm, there are times that they look at you and what comes out of their mouth, you do not know how it comes out of that little body, how much, how so much spunk can be in such a little package. And there are times, right, even my kids, as good as my kids were, there were times that we had to deal with them, with stuff like that. And so there were times that there was discipline involved and uh, there were consequences to actions and there were tears involved. And, 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 you know, you think back to your kids growing up and you don't really dwell on those times. You don't really remember those times as much. But here's what I do remember is after that, the kids crawling up in my lap and me just hugging them real tight and saying, hey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Uh, we, that's in the past. We're going to move forward now. We're not going to bring it up. We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to, you know, not to do that now. Now, this is the future, right? The re- <laughs> that's, that's a picture, right? When our, sins, when our sins are forgiven, God's just waiting on us to crawl up in His lap. He's wanting us to know that it's going to be all right. Stuff's in the past. Let it go, and now we're going to focus on what it means to move forward. 
Now we're going to focus on what it looks like to live uh, in the kingdom of God, to let my love rule and reign in your life. That's, that's the picture that we need to, to kind of hold on to. Not holding on to the past, all the craziness, all the spunk, all the wrong things. We hold on to his love. And that kind of brings me to my second point. What we really are talking about now is, is God, lo- his love, it works in us and it works through us. When we really allow him to be the king of our life, his love starts working in us. It starts transforming us. It starts changing us. But then it does that so God can work through us. Uh, We just read that he gave us the task of reconciling people to himself. And then it keeps going in verse 19 and says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And so I look at this verse and, and what we see here is God's desire is that we would come to know him. He loves us so much that he doesn't want to see us stay in our sin. He doesn't want to see us held back by our past. But instead, right, he wants us to, he wants to have a relationship with us. He's reconciling the world to himself. And now, uh, because we are his ambassadors, because he's left us here in charge of his kingdom, right? Our job is to help people find God. Our job is to point people back to God. Our job is to tell as many people as we can and in many ways as we can about Jesus. Uh, so here, let, let's do a simple illustration because y'all look a little sleepy this morning. Um, I want you to turn to the person next to you or turn to the person behind you, wherever. We, and here's what I want you. I want you to tell them your favorite movie on the count of three. One, two, three, go. Okay. That was pretty easy, right? Okay, let me do something else. Now, I want you to, to turn to the person beside you, and I want you to tell them your favorite sports team. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three, go. Now, that was pretty easy, right? Why? Because it's something you're excited about. Now, if I had you t- turn to the person next to you and tell you, tell them your favorite thing you do at work, I think y'all would be going, wait a minute here. <laughs> That's not real fun. You're not going to be real passionate about things that are like, tell me about your last trip to the DMV because it's so exciting right now. It's so easy to work with them knowing because of the pandemic, right? No, I... You talk about things that you're passionate about. You talk about things that bring you joy. You talk about things that excite you. And that's how our faith needs to be. It should be just as natural as breathing to turn to someone and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what I read in the Bible today. Let me tell you about what God is doing right now in our church. Let me tell you about how I've seen God change the people in our community. Do you see where I'm going? Right? When, when God's love works in us and through us, it's something that we simply cannot contain. It just comes out. It bubbles out. It just, it's who. And so I share that because if you're a person, person who's naturally, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is complaining, doom, gloom, misery, 
then what's that show? It's showing that you're not allowing God's love to work in you and through you. That should be the primary thing that people see about us and experience about us. When, when a person really loves something or someone, they cannot help but tell others about it. It just oozes out of them. And so when we truly love God, His love truly reigns in our life, and then talking about Him and celebrating His love for us is just second nature. And so we need to learn how to share your story. I've been talking about this some over the past few weeks and months about sharing our testimony. And um, our testimony, it's just simply sharing your life before, before God. Thank you. I'm trying not to cough. But just simply sharing your life before God. It's sharing how you met God and then how you have changed. And so that's really, that's all your testimony is. Your life, your past, okay, there was a past. There was a time I didn't know God. And there was a time that I, I, I rebelled against God. And I'll just give you a word of caution. When you're telling people your story, you don't have to fill in all the blanks about your past. All right, the devil doesn't need all that extra credit. People, you, you, I mean, it, I, I get, I, some people, it's almost like their past is a badge of honor. I was at a youth conference one time, and this guy stood up, and, and he's like, I did drugs for, you know, 20 years. I was shot 22 times, and I was stabbed, and I, you know, and then he's, and, and he spent like 30 minutes talking about everything he had done, and then like two seconds talking about Jesus. <laughs> so what did the kids leave with? Oh, man, this guy, look at all this stuff he did. That's pretty cool. He's like a movie star. <laughs> I'm like... I want, to, I, want to walk, I want people to walk away saying how good Jesus is, not how crazy my life was. You can tell, your, you can tell how you met Jesus, but then, but then focus on how you've changed. Focus on the change that has taken place in your life because of your faith in Jesus. And so Jesus, he took our sins, he took our mistakes, he took our brokenness, he took our past shame. He nailed it to the cross. He dealt with it once and for all. And that brings me to my final point is because of God's love, our sinfulness is replaced by his righteousness. Second Corinthians 521. We'll just keep going in this passage. Uh, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You guys know that I've done pastor training in Nicaragua uh, a, a lot over these past several years and uh, I was there last March. I was uh, obviously we couldn't go this year, so this past week uh, we actually filmed a whole training series uh, here at the at the church. Uh, uploaded the video, sent it through Dropbox to Nicaragua, and they did pastor training uh, uh, just a few days ago on the seventh um, in Nicaragua. Um, I did it from here, which was kind of weird. We just recorded it, sent it. it. I mean, technology is crazy how we did it. But I taught uh, over three hours, really, on this one verse. <laughs> so that's how powerful this one verse is. Justification by faith is how we made right with God. What happens, right, at that moment of justification where he takes on our sin and, and, and you know, our sin is imputed to, to him. And in exchange, we receive his righteousness. This is, this is absolutely mind-blowing when we think about what Jesus does. 
When he went on that cross, he took the sin of the world. I'm, I'm not just talking about little white lies and little... No, he took evil sin to its fullest extent upon himself. And he paid the penalty for all of it once and for all. And in exchange, we received his righteousness. It doesn't seem fair, does it? It's not fair. That's why it's grace. That's why it's mercy. Because we didn't get what we really deserved. And this incredible exchange takes place at the cross of Calvary. Uh, just Jesus takes on our wrong way of living and we're giving the righteousness of God. Uh, the, the Greek meaning behind this righteousness is the idea that we're now approved before God. Uh, we're approved in His eyes that it's divine approval. And I think some of you, you need to really hear that today and think about that. That no matter what's in your past, because of your faith in Jesus, uh, that God looks at you now with divine approval. If you don't know Jesus, this is, this is what happens at the moment you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. Your sins are removed. And in exchange, you're now a new person, a new creation in Christ. I, I think that the, the truth that God has forgiven us, it's, we think like it's too good to be true. That, that just, there's got to be more to it. I've got to earn it. I've got to do something. I, I, it's more. No, it's the free gift of God. That's what we see throughout Scripture. And I just wanted to, to kind of tell you today, and if you're here, if you've struggled with your past, if you've struggled with everything in it, love can reign over your past in such a way that you are no longer enslaved to your past. You can be set free. You can now live in the new life. That's why I love baptism so much. When believers are baptized and they go under the water, it's a symbolic act that shows now that our old way of life is dead. It's in the grave. It's underwater. It's gone. And then we come up out of the water. Now we're in new life. Our sins have been washed away. We're now living in the freedom and the power of Christ. Uh, Romans 6 says this, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Colossians 2 says this, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and now you, with, with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for He forgave all of our sins. That's what happens when we put our faith in, in Jesus. And now our mission is to tell other people about it. And so I just want to challenge you that your past does not define who you are. You are more than what you have done. You are more than what you have done. That's what Jesus has done for you. And, and so today, if you're here and you are a believer, you've never been baptized. Maybe today... God is, is putting on your heart, okay, I need to be baptized just to show the world that I'm not ashamed, just to show the, the world that I am living in this new life. And so if you've not been baptized, I want you to let us know. 
uh, you, can, you can go and leave it on a prayer card at the, the prayer box. You can tell one of us. Uh, you can let us know. You can go online and fill out a connection card and, and let us know that's the next step you want to take. Uh, but what I, I want you to let us know if you would like to be baptized. And then secondly, if you don't know Jesus, then that's where you got to start. You need to, to accept the righteousness of God. Now, today we've kind of done worship a little differently. We've kind of stripped it back. We've kind of uh, just really, and we, we've done that just so we can focus on God today. Just so we can focus on Him. So I'm going to pray, and, and, and Bonnie and Ava and Josh are going to come back up. I really appreciate them helping out this morning and filling in. We had some, even some last-minute changes this morning, but um, I want them to come back up. We're going to pray, and then we're going to continue on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we are so thankful that we can worship You, that we can just focus on You, that we can uh, just get our minds off of all the distractions in the world today that we can focus on you. Lord, I pray for those listening, those here that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be that moment that they say, I'm going to quit living for myself and I'm going to start living for you. I'm going to submit to the King and and let you be the Lord of my life. I want you to reign over my life and I want love to reign in me. And if you're here today and maybe Uh, just your past is holding you back. Your past is preventing you from doing what God has called you to do. Then today you would let go of that. You would receive that justification that you have already received, all right, that you've already been given. It's a free gift, but you would learn to live in it. You would learn to walk in it. You would learn to trust it today that you're not defined by your past, that you are more than what you you have done. Heavenly Father, just help us for those that want to be baptized, would today be that day they make that commitment? Hey, I'm going, I'm going to be obedient. Just as Jesus was baptized, I'm going, to, I'm going to follow in his footsteps. I'm going to be baptized as well. Just to show the world that I've already made that commitment to Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And Heavenly Father, I just pray for our church that you continue to, to challenge us, to use us, uh, to help us learn what it means to, 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 to tell the world about you. Uh, to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Lord, we just thank you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So during our response time, as always, this is your chance to respond. You can stay right where you are and sing. You can go to the cross. You can stay. Maybe God's just putting on your heart just to stay right where you are and pray. Just to to silently pray and listen to this song. Uh, If you want to sing, you can stand up and sing to the top of your lungs. That's fine too. Uh, but respond as God leads you this morning. Uh, let's, um, let's enter into our response time now.